I bet if you look at your existing client base, you'll find there are one or two clients in amongst all of the clients you're currently working with that in an ideal world, you may choose not to work with them. So in today's episode, we're talking about how to find your ideal client today. You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back. It's me, Robin Waite, your host of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm excited about today's episode of the podcast because it's talking about how to find your ideal client in a world that is incredibly confusing, where there are 10 times the number of businesses nearly as there were 20 years ago, where you've got all of these different apps and there is just so much noise out there online. It's getting harder and harder and harder to find your ideal client. And so what I find uh, is a lot of our clients are working with their clients, this is very meta, who they wouldn't in an ideal world ultimately choose to work with. And I'm going to try and unpack some of the reasons why that happens, um, some of the mindset issues around that, because a lot of it is actually based on fear, believe it or not. Obviously, this is a fearless business podcast. Uh, and if you do enjoy this episode, by the way, I'd love it if you could just go and drop us a review on iTunes, because it does help other people to find this. It'll bump us back up into the top 100 po podcasts uh, for marketing um, on iTunes in the UK, which would be fantastic. But anyway, not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about finding your ideal client. So why do people take on not so ideal clients for their businesses? Well, essentially, it's driven by fear because ultimately we've all got bills to pay, mortgages to pay, food to put on our tables, families to look after uh, and things like that. And so what we ultimately end up doing is we just take on clients for the sake of taking on clients because uh, we need those things to be paid for. We need the money to come in. Now, actually, I would rather be poor, homeless and destitute than take on clients who aren't an ideal fit for my business. Um, because if they're not an ideal fit for my business, one, it's going to be incongruent. We're potentially not going to get the result which we're promising them. It's not going to be a good experience for them. And if something goes wrong, we are uh, going to end up being resentful of that. I'm sure that probably if something goes wrong, the client will end up resenting it as well. So if you haven't got ideal clients within your business, it, it's kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy that ultimately you end up not making the money that you should be getting paid anyway, uh, because things just generally go wrong when you don't take on the ideal client. But it's that fear of running out of cash, essentially, which forces us um, to play our hand and take on clients which we otherwise wouldn't take on. Um, the other thing as well is fear of letting people down, because if a client comes to us and they want our help, despite the fact we're sat there thinking, oh, they're probably not the right client for us, we do it because we just don't want to say no to them. We don't want to let them down. And again, in actual fact, when you do take them on and they're not an ideal client, you're going to be letting them down anyway, because they're not going to be getting the full result or outcome which you promise or which all of your other clients get or experience whenever they work with you. So it's much better if you can get comfortable saying no and turning clients down. 
part of this though is um, it's it's an unconscious um, thing which has been drilled into us by all of the gurus and experts out there that we should have really high conversion rates and we should take on all of the clients and we should be earning loads of money. But the reality is that like that that just again backs us into a corner whereby we end up to to please them we end up taking on clients that we otherwise wouldn't choose to do it uh, to do so. So you've got to get comfortable with the word no. You've got to be comfortable with assuming a position of leadership and turning clients away. And don't forget, you, if you will have heard from other episodes where, that I've recorded where we talk about the ideal conversion rate being somewhere between 20 and 40%. Now, in reality, most people, I, I was uh, somebody put on Instagram, hey, I'm really good at sales. I've got a 95% conversion rate. I'm like, whoa, first of all, you're going to be massively um, over, like putting yourself over capacity by taking on that many clients. Two, you're not good at sales because if we asked you to double your prices and keep a 95% conversion rate, the chances are you probably can't. And also at a 95% conversion rate, there's actually very little chance of you being able to improve on that number. You can't get better than a 100% conversion rate. So you're not going to know whether your sales processes are good or bad or could be improved because you can't improve more than 100%. So we can't change, we can't move the needle at all in that process. So actually taking on too many clients and getting a really high conversion rate is actually quite detrimental to a business. If you're in the sweet spot of where you've got a 20 to 40 and don't forget I like I've this is we've tested this on over 250 clients over the last 5 years and we have found that the optimal conversion rate is between 20 and 40%. So that means we're still taking on clients. We've increased demand because we've reduced scarcity by increasing our prices. And also, thirdly, there is good cash flow coming through the business. So if we take on the ideal clients who get our value, we not only produce great results for them, but we also get paid our worth. Um, and, and so the business is happy and pro prosperous and sustainable. The, the, one of the biggest challenges, um, though, is working out who your ideal client is. So the best place to start is by looking at your existing client base. And um, there's an exercise which I talk about called the PITAF exercise. Some of you will have heard of PITAF. I've just added a foot onto the end of it. Uh, it's not for anything nefarious or a swear word. It's called the pain in the ass factor exercise. And essentially, all you do is you get out a sheet of paper, A3 or A4 paper, and you draw a matrix on it. And on the bottom of it, you do a PITAF scale, so pain in the ass factor scale on a scale of one to 10. How big a pain in the ass is that client? On the vertical axis, you then put in how much money are they paying you? So like one pound sign up to three pound signs. And then you plot your clients on this graph. So for example, if they're quite a high pain in the ass but not, and not paying you much money, they would go down into that bottom right-hand quadrant. If they're an ideal client, they're paying you lots of money and they don't get, really give you too many problems and you get great results for them. So they go up into that top left quadrant, remember. So if they're like a one on the PITAF scale and a three on three pound signs, you stick them in that top left corner. And what we want is ideally, we're going to end up with probably Pareto here, about 20% of the clients are going to be in that bottom right hand quadrant, probably about 50, 40 to 50% of clients will be in this top left quadrant. Then you've got two other types of clients. You've got another set of clients who are a bit of a pain in the ass, 
but paying you lots of money so we can, you know, we can carry on working with them. And probably all we've got to do is manage their expectations so they we lower their PITAF score. And they're in the top right quadrant. Then we've got another 20% of clients who fit into the bottom left quadrant who are not much of a pain in the ass, but they're also not paying as much money. So again, we have to kind of, um, well, essentially, we don't need to manage our expectations because they get the value. But what we've got to do is find ways to sell other products to them or increase their customer lifetime value and move them up into that top left quadrant. So first of all, look at your existing client base and you will be surprised at the clients who end up in that bottom right-hand quadrant of people who aren't paying you much money and being a massive pain in the ass. Now, you've got a couple of choices here. You can either manage your expectations, increase their prices, or you can just fire them, okay? Now, a lot of people get scared at this point. They hate firing clients, they hate letting clients go, or they hate clients leaving, okay? More fear, because we're losing revenue. That's, you know, must be really afraid of losing revenue. But actually, if you think about it, if you fire some clients, you've now got extra capacity and space, headspace, to be able to fill up that extra capacity with much better clients, your ideal client, who get your value and love working with you and you get great results for. And so they move into that top left, left, no, top left quadrant um, automatically by virtue of that. Okay. So that PITAF exercise is the first thing which you, do, you should do. <laughs> The second thing which you should do is look at who your ideal client is. Just reevaluate it. So your ideal client should really have three things, and you will have gauged this from going through and doing that PITAF exercise. Your ideal client, should you, you should love working with them. That's the first criteria. So how much do you love working with those ideal clients? Who do you get the best results working for? So when you take on a new client, who gets the best results when they're working with you? That's the second criteria. And then the third criteria, and this is the most important, who can afford to pay you what you're worth? And if that's double or triple, and you're looking at your existing client base going, ah, most of them struggle to pay me that money, then we have a problem. Or it might be that you struggle to articulate your value. There's plenty of other podcast episodes where I talk about articulating your value. Uh, I can always do another podcast episode if you're interested. Just drop me an email, robin at robinwaite.com if you want to talk through that. So there we go. So those are three ways to find your ideal client. Who do you love working with the most? Who gets amazing results when they work with you? And who can afford to pay you? Okay. Now then we, so we've done PITAF, we talked about your ideal client. And then finally, we want to move on to um, niching, because this is the thing which gets most people unstuck. SMEs, small to medium enterprises, is not a niche. Okay. Think about it this way. They're out of the uh, top well, all of the businesses out there, the, the, the L businesses, the large businesses, which is defined by businesses with 250 or more employees, makes up, out of the 6 million registered businesses in the UK, it makes up just 40,000 businesses, okay? So SME, small, medium enterprise, which makes up all of the other businesses, that's not a niche, that is everyone, okay? So you need to be much more specific. When you're in a room full of people and you're trying to talk to everyone, like if there's 100 people in a room and you go, we help SMEs, well, that's everyone. Nobody's going to listen to that. But if you're in a room and you say, we build Squarespace websites for accountants, and there are 10 accountants in the room who are struggling with their website and with their marketing, you are speaking to 10 very specific people in that room. And it's more than likely that some of them are going to come up and speak to you at the end of that talk, networking session, or whatever it is, virtual summit, which you're doing. Whereas if you're going, we help SMEs do everything online, like people are going to be sitting there thinking, well, they don't understand my problem. Are they a specialist in this? Are they a specialist in helping accountants? Etc. 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 So SMEs is not 
a niche. What you need to do is you need to do something which is called niche within a niche within a niche, okay? So don't just, you know, um, we, I've worked with several clients in the um, pet professional um, industries and they don't just train all dogs, okay? The ones who are the most successful, um, they will do reactive dog behavior uh, work with, sorry, they'll do dog behavior work with reactive dogs, specifically beagles, okay? So niche within a niche within a niche. So, and you don't just, I've, I've got an episode actually where I talked about market niche versus product niche versus pricing niche. So go and check that one out. But if you can nail down that niche into an ideal specific client, again, most, this is, most people don't do this out of fear, because their fear says, well, if I niche down and I've got fewer people to market to, then nobody's going to, like, like, there's less people to market to. But actually what happens is you open up your market to a global marketplace of very specific people. So I've seen somebody who trains beagles, you know, locally, there's probably not that many beagles. Globally, there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of beagle owners out there who all flock to go and join her group. And so she's ended up with something like 17,000 members in her group, which is just absolutely phenomenal. You know, at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself a question. What is better? A load of low value clients taking up all of your time and your capacity and moaning about everything or would you be better off having a handful of high-paying dream clients who love what you do and you get great results for? There you go. I'll leave it on that bombshell for you to mull over. Like I said, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please do drop me a review on iTunes. It helps other people to find this. And if there's any topics which you would love for me to cover on the podcast, please do reach out to me, robin at robinwaite.com. I will be sure to listen to all of those requests and record a podcast episode specifically for you. Okay.